VA's round-the-clock hotline can put veterans who are homeless in touch with the resources and support they earned through their military service. Call 877-424-3838. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to This Week at VA. I'm your host, Timothy Lawson. I hope everyone enjoyed the Two meritorious segment episodes we did for episode 30 and 31. It's always nice to highlight great interviews and the important sound bites that come from them. We're back to our traditionally formatted podcast this week with a brand new interview with Kate Tillotson, Marine Corps veteran and student veteran of the year. But first, I want to mention a successful Twitter chat we hosted on Wednesday. Several other organizations participated, including Team Rubicon, Team RWB, Amazon, Pat Tillman Foundation, and Mission Continues. You can reference the chat and everyone's contributions by searching hashtag Veteran Chat on Twitter. You'll have to scroll down to Wednesday's tweets, but there's a lot of great insight from our partners there. We also took part in a Facebook chat hosted by Got Your Six. It's on their Facebook page. Simply go to their page. I think it's facebook.com slash gotyoursix. Uh, you can see the conversation there that addresses VA life insurance benefits. And I know that's something people are unfamiliar with, so it's good to get caught up uh, on those benefits and how you can make the best of it. This week's feature interview is with Kate Tillotson. Kate is a Marine Corps veteran attending the University of Tulsa. She was recently recognized as Student Veteran of the Year by Student Veterans of America at their national convention in January. Kate talks to us about her time in the service, the challenges of being a non-traditional student, and how she helped grow and develop her student veteran group on campus. Enjoy. Kate Tillotson, Marine Corps veteran, 2017 stu- student veteran of the year, and the fearless leader at of the TU Veterans at the University of Tulsa. Kate, thank you so much for joining me. Awesome. Thank you for having me. Yeah, and uh, to, to I, I need to admit that I just read that right off your Twitter profile. That wasn't some fancy uh, intro that I had prepared for you. Uh, I've learned the best ways to introduce people are how they introduce themselves to people via their Twitter profile. So, um, Kate, this is, the, the, this is the Veterans Affairs podcast, and all of the guests are veterans. And the one thing that we all have in common – is that decision to join the United States military. You decided to join the Marine Corps, Semper Fi. Uh, awesome. Tell, bring us back to that day for you. Um, so for me, I had graduated um, high school, and I really didn't know what I wanted to do. I knew that college was the route that I really wanted to go. Um, and I know there's that stigma of people who are kind of like, well, you know, you shouldn't join the military for free college and free service. But that was a huge incentive for me because I knew – um, at the end of the day, whether I decided to do 20 years or I did four years, um, higher education at some point was something that I really wanted to pursue. And the college that I wanted to attend, the University of Tulsa, um, is $40,000 a year. And there was no way I was going to go into that kind of debt. Um, my parents were not going to take out loans to pay for it. Um, I also came from a family. Uh, my dad served in the military. He was an Army officer. So for me, I already had that background of like – having a family that had served in the military um, and having been an army brat. So for me, the Marine Corps was just like a much more hardcore extension of that. (laughs) So it was definitely different um, being enlisted compared to being an officer's daughter. Um, But I really enjoyed being in the Marine Corps. And yeah, that's kind of what 
made me join initially, I found that once I got into the Marine Corps, I really enjoyed the experiences that it gave me and the doors that it opened up after I got out. Yeah. So, what, so what year is that? Your your year of enlistment? Uh, two thousand seven. Two thousand seven. So, you you said the that the education aspect was a huge driver in it, and that maybe that shouldn't be why one serves or whatever. Let me tell you, I was just at Fort Meade uh, getting some uh, some training and in, uh, in, in some media training, and I was in the same class as some young Marine pipeliners, right? Ones that you know still haven't even made it to the fleet yet. And I asked them, I was like, why, tell me, why, why is your generation enlisting? Because my generation enlisted because of 9-11 and the war and stuff yeah. like that. And, and they, all of them were like, yeah, school, education. Like, and that's like what we had joined for had almost sort of gone, has almost gone past. And now it's, I think most, from what it seems like, that education is still a driving force even um, in this time of, uh, you know, patriotism and and serve your country so um i don't think that i don't think anybody should be shameful of deciding to uh go into a career field that's going to then going to give you a free education when once you've given it four years you know um yeah and i look at it as, it's a really sweet deal like i go to a really great school i think it's the best school in oklahoma i know other people like from ou and osu would have something different to say but um i i am not going to incur college debt and I think that's great. I feel bad for some of my peers that are kind of going to school with me um, because they, they're, they're going to be burdened with all the student loan debt. And it's like, well, I don't have to worry about that. I mean, I did four years and it wasn't fun. And, you know, the Marines is hard. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it's not a rose garden. Um, I think it's a pretty awesome deal to be able to do four years to commit to that um, and then be able to transition as a non-traditional student, as a grown up. Um, to go to school, because I feel like a lot of students have no idea what they want to do when they grow up. Um, and so a lot of freshman and sophomore year, I've seen, or at least in my experience, I've seen a lot of students that switch majors, and that ends up meaning more time in school that may end up, you know, you might end up having to take more courses. But I find the veterans don't really, at least at my college, we don't have that problem so much. We have an idea of what we don't want to do, and that makes it easier to decide what you do want to do right. um, when you get older and what you want to pursue in college. Yeah, I abs- I absolutely agree. I-, I felt the same way when I was at American University. Like, I, you know, I met students that they were paying their entire way through loans and very small scholarships, and you know, sort of on their own dime. And um, I was really grateful for uh, the opportunity to be able to use a GI Bill. We'll get to uh, being a student veteran uh, in a little okay. bit. Let's, yeah, let's. Uh, I know you and I have so much we could talk about when it comes to that. Yeah. Um, let's let's go back to your time in the Marine Corps. Do you have an experience, even a, a story from your time in the Marines that maybe sums up your your time in? Um, not really a story, but I guess it was a time period. So, um. In 2009, I deployed with um, 2nd MHG, and I was very fortunate I was selected for the Lioness program out there um, when I deployed, and that was a huge experience for me. Um, I had enlisted, and when I did, I'd heard people talk about in our unit, I was a field radio operator, by the way, um, about doing the Lioness program, and I feel like when I talk to Marines, Marines are fairly familiar with it, but other people aren't, you know? Um the whole idea that you would have these search teams that would go, they were all female based. Um, they would be attached to an infantry unit and they would go out and search Iraqi women um, or do different engagement with that unique population. And so being able to do that, um, there were only a handful of us that were selected to do so from our base that we were at. 
um, was really life altering for me. Um, I went for 45 days and I was attached with one seven, which was something I would never traditionally get to do as a female radio operator during that time. Um, so for me, I think that was probably my favorite experience in the Corps. Um, because for the first time I got to see a half of the Marine Corps that I don't normally get to train with, or, well, not that I do train with them now, but, um, that I would, it's a side of the Marine Corps I would have never had the ability to train with, um, traditionally or to interact with or work with, which is infantry. Um, so for me, I feel like that definitely helped me when I was in, um, it gave me a lot of perspective about how the rest of the Marine Corps lives. Um, but more so, especially when I got out, um, and then I later had to work with student veterans, um, that were infantry, particularly Marine infantry. Yeah, that's cool. Tell, yeah. tell us about your decision then to, to get out. Why why was four years it for you? Oh, man. Um, <laughs> I I liked what I was doing in the Marines. I was a, I was a radio operator, so I think that's it's a, I don't want to say it's the best job in the Corps, but I think it's a pretty awesome job. Um, but at the time, they weren't really allowing women to go do a whole lot. So you had Lioness. At the time, they were kind of talking about, like, female engagement teams were beginning to stand up. But for me as a radio operator, there just wasn't a lot of mobility. I either, if I wanted to go to do something different, I would need to switch jobs, um, which at the time with people trying to like re-enlist, the options weren't looking great. Um, and they really weren't into doing um, extensions. At least my unit wasn't. It was either, you know, you do four years or, you know, you get out. There's no in between. So I just kind of looked at it and I was like, you know, I don't know what I want to do. You know, should I just go back to school? And my, my dad actually gave me a really good piece of advice. Um, he had said, the Marine Corps will always be there for you. If you get out and you decide it's not going to work out, yeah, you'll lose a little bit getting out. But at least you can go back to it and pursue what you really love. If you get out and you find that college is something that you really want to do, college is there for you. So I ended up picking college, and I haven't looked back since. Yeah. So, um did you go? Did you go right into um, being a college student? Did you start attending soon after, or do you? Is there any gap in between service and college? I uh, at the time they were doing the early release program in the Marine Corps. Um, they were trying to get rid of people because they had too many. So um, for me, I just went straight into college, um, and I attended a college in upstate New York. I didn't uh, end up in Tulsa, um, so I had probably a month or two gap in okay. between when I got out and when I started school. Sure. Um, you know, a, a lot of uh, a lot of veterans, when they transition out, um, end up facing some sort of emotional challenge or emotional crisis. Is that something that you experienced? Um, it was definitely lonely. So I went from, especially the Marines, Marines are really close-knit, um, especially when you're in a shop. And I went from having a friend that I could hit up, at, you know, at any weekend, be like, hey, what are you doing? You want to go do something? Or even after work, to I would go to class. As a non-traditional student, as a grown-up, being older than everybody else, and I just didn't have any friends in college, and I really didn't feel connected with my peers. Um, so for about two years, um, until I got to TU and I got plugged in with our student vet group, I was just kind of like going through the motions of class. Like I didn't have any friends. I felt really disconnected. I just felt like, all right, like I'm just here to get like my degree, you know, like checking a little box on a like checklist. But I'm, there's, like, a, a really big part of my life that's missing, like, like I hate to say it, but social interaction, even though it doesn't seem like it's on the big, like, it's a big thing or it's a big deal, for me it was. 
So not having like friends or people to hang out with or um, people that could really understand what I was going through, like as a veteran, I, I lost that when I went to college. Yeah, I, th- I think that, um, you know, you said the social is not really that big of a deal. I mean, it, it, I mean, I don't know. I don't want to get too uh, philosophical here, but like Maslow's hierarchy of needs tells that friendship and family is something that, um, is, you know, is in the hierarchy of needs. And um, I think that a lot of people, you know, you know, when we talk about um, being an extrovert or introvert, there's some people that think it means you're social or antisocial. It really just has a lot to do with where you get your energy from. And regardless of which side that you're on, I think there's a lot of, um, you know, there's a lot of, you know, dependency on being able to interact with people, especially when it comes to um, just being able to process your own thoughts through interaction with people. Um, but that's yeah. that, that's getting on a tangent of uh, <laughs> of psychology and stuff. Well, yeah, and like my first you know semester in college, uh, by the second semester in college, I was go in the I was in upstate New York. I was in the city I'd never been in. Um, I was I was going through a divorce, so I was dealing with a lot of adult issues while trying to like manage um, paying for the crazy insane rent up there and going to school full time and not having a peer support group. Um, so for me, it was like, I don't know, it would have been really have, it would have been really wonderful to have had um, that social support like you do when you're in a platoon. And so I think like for me, that was the hardest part of my transition initially was just like, wow, I'm really, I'm back on the block. And I just like, I don't have any more, fr- like, I don't, you know, uh, the people I've left behind, they're somewhere totally different than I am in life. You know what I mean? They've moved on. And I was like, Oh, I'm starting from scratch. I, you know, and I love college. Uh, when I first joined, I, I've never regretted getting out. I think college is awesome. Um, it's four years to definitely find yourself or five, you know, if you're Sam. Um, but yeah, I think that was for me like a really hard part of getting out. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. And, and finding yourself in, um, in a, in a university setting when you're, like you said, an adult and you're, you're older than people, it's, it's tough to find a friend group. It's tough to even find a friend, um, yeah. on, on campus and, and not just like, Oh, I get along with that guy or that person that, uh, in my class to work, like finding someone that you actually would want to invest time in outside of the class atmosphere and do your activities with. And, um, you know, it's one of the one of the odd benefits of the of the Marine Corps and of the military is you're forced to interact with a whole bunch of people. You are, <laughs> and there's a whole lot of hurry up and wait, so you're forced to sort of entertain each other in those scenarios. And um, when you're taken out of that, and you know, uh, you leave the military and you're forced to do everything on your own, not just like bills and groceries and taking care of yourself, but feeding yourself socially and a family and all that sort of stuff is now your responsibility. Uh, having having peers is all of a sudden a a challenge. Yeah. It was crazy. Cause I mean, looking back at it, I'm like, and even, you know, just recently graduating, I'm like, Oh God, I love college. Like the idea of, you know, yeah, you, you know, you take 12, 15, 17 credits, you know, depending on like how crazy you are about trying to finish your degree. Um, to me compared to working as much as I did in the Marine Corps, that's nothing. Like I, I look at it as it is a very sweet deal, but yeah, it, it is crazy how like with all the free time you have and um, with all the opportunities on campus, all the different clubs, you would think like, Oh, this is just like the perfect place for you to meet new people. And when I got out, I found that really challenging. Yeah. But then you, you went to the university of Tulsa, got involved with the veteran group down there. Tell us about how did you, how did you get first connected with the group in, in Tulsa? 
Okay, so their group in Tulsa um, existed, and they weren't a very large group, but they were very heavy um, Marines, specifically Marine infantrymen. Um, they probably had a group of about 10 to 15, um, but the majority of people that were in the group all happened to be Marines. So when I came, I thought, okay, like, they're not going to accept me. You know, they had this little lunch, and I was like, all right, I'll go. Like, I need to, you know, try and interact with human beings on campus. Um and when I walked in there, I was the only female in that group of 10 or 15. I thought, oh, God, you know, they're all Marines. They're not going to accept me. Like, oh. <laughs> um, but I was actually really surprised to find that they were very, um, very accepting and very welcoming of me. Um, and they had no problem being like, hey, you know, come out to more events. They were only doing like one lunch in a month. Um, so the group definitely had like potential and there was something. Um, they just weren't very active, but at least they were very accepting. So um, that's how I initially. Um, got involved with them. Um, the next year I ran for social chair. Um, so I wasn't president and I helped create a couple of events. Um, but it wasn't until, um, April of 2016 when I was elected president that basically that group blew up on campus and we've now, we're now one of the largest, and most active groups at the university of Tulsa. That's awesome. That is really yeah. awesome. We uh, at AU we had a lot of we had a pretty big group that would cycle through the veterans lounge that we had. But one of the biggest challenges that we faced was people had a whole lot of ideas, but very few people were willing to follow through and execute. Um, is that a challenge that you faced at all when you were develop when you were helping that group grow? Um, when I was a social chair and I wasn't in charge, yes, only because. Um, People, I think, just kind of felt like, well, this is the way we've always done things. You know, we've only done, you know, maybe four events a semester, so maybe that's all people wanted. Um, when I took over as president, we had an entirely new group come in of officers, and I just said, hey, listen, sky's the limit. We get X amount of funding from our student government per year. Um, we just won, you know, this grant through Student Veterans of America. So in the meantime, while we're waiting for our lounge to get renovated, let's really just go big or go home. Let's, regardless of who shows up, we already know that we can get about 10 or 15 people in a room. We should really try and do just different events. And you know what? If, it, if an event doesn't pan out, well, hey, at least, you, you know, a five or six of us showed up. But let's just do it. So last year, um, or actually, let me take it back. So from the fall of last year um, until May of this year, we've hosted over 30 events. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, and they range anywhere from, like, we do football tailgating, um, we've, we did off-campus pint nights, and we still do during the summer. Um, we actually got to the point where we had 70% uh, of the female veterans on campus that were actual members of our group. So we actually had to create a ladies' night event series huh. <laughs> inside our TU veteran house where we, like, um, we wear PJs, we watch Netflix, and we just um, just hang out and chill in the vet house. Um for graduation, we did a crawfish boil. We do holiday parties. Um, and then we just have, like, our regular um, on-campus meetup. So we're very, very busy What's as it, a group. For for anybody who's maybe in the audience that is a part of their student veteran uh, group or their leading one or whatever it may be, um, what's what's an event that you did that, that, that surprised you how well it did? Um, I would say our – our first tailgate, um, because so we did our first tailgate and we didn't really know how many people were going to show up. So we got, you know, like a little canopy tent set up. We had a bunch of coolers. We got all the vests together and said, okay, I need you to bring all the gear that you have. We didn't have any signage. 
we didn't have a flag. We got a couple of yard games. Um, so we had all the gear together, but I, you know, we just we were like, I don't know if anybody's going to show up. You know, we had the VA certifying official on our campus, Cindy Watts. Um, she sent out emails to all the student vets saying, Hey, if you're interested, there's going to be this tailgate. So we had no idea how many people were going to show up because, um, this tailgate was actually held before, before our first meeting of the semester. <laughs> oh, wow. We ended up having 55 people show up at our tailgate. That's, that's really good. Yeah. We had yeah. the largest tailgate at, and granted, T is a much smaller um, tailgating community than other schools, you know, um, but we had the largest tailgate aside from the Alumni Association. And that homecoming, we actually won best tailgate um, of the year for TU. Very cool. Very cool. <laughs> yeah. What's, um, what have you, what, is, what has you noticed, um, is a good outreach tool to get new veterans coming on the campus interested in, in participating in the group? Um, I think Facebook's really helpful. Uh, one of the things that I found that was really helpful, um, was doing sponsored ads on Facebook, um, and trying to tag people, especially from our local community college, um, also, like, working with the school, we have a really good VA certifying official um, who sends out mail or um, information on our behalf um, to the veterans. So that way it's directly in their hands. We don't, you know, touch that list or anything like that. Um, but having somebody on the school who's willing to send out that information, and it's not just an email. We, um, for one of our events, we did a, a holiday party. We had about, I want to say almost 40 people show up. We had... Uh, we made postcards off this to print. You know, we spent like, I think 30 bucks as a group and just had those mailed out to veterans. Um, it's, it is difficult to reach millennial veterans. And for our group, like we're open to anybody that um, regardless of what college you're affiliated with, if you attend college or not, um, we allow like veterans and their friends and family um, to come out. I think the biggest thing that we did uh, that may have helped um, was we actually opened up the majority of our events to civilian students on campus. And at first, our group really struggled with that because, you know, sometimes veterans kind of like to be in a bubble. And they were like, well, you know, if you let the civilians in, it's, it's just not going to be the same. Um, one of our largest events that we held was like a Veterans Day event. So what we did was we, um, we had our Veteran Resource Center um, on campus, but we hadn't, like, renovated it yet. So we had the Student Veterans of America grant that we got through Home Depot. Um, but we hadn't finished it yet. We had a hundred people come by to visit with us and have coffee with our student veterans on that day. <laughs> and the reason that we had turnout so high wasn't just because we had veterans. It was because we had civilians, professors, students, people within the university community that wanted to swing by and say, Hey, to our veterans and whatnot. Um, at that event, we started seeing a lot of veterans trickle in because it would be your civilian students that would meet a vet in class and be like, oh, hey, do you know about the TV Veteran House? Like, oh, do you know about this, like, group? They're on campus. Like, you should go talk to them. Um, so I feel like, I mean, granted, we're a much smaller university. We have about 4,000 students on campus. But if you put the word out there and you make it known on the campus community, people talk and they'll share information back and forth. That's cool. Sorry, that was uh, like a really long answer. <laughs> no, that's good. It's good. This is all I'm, – I'm, I'm honestly right now just asking you questions that I know I had when um, I was only president at AU for one semester. Um, but these are all the things that we wondered and pondered and, and mulled through trying to figure out. Um, what's um, – oh, man. What, what, 
what are what are your officer positions? I know this was one that we um, that we kept on going over on like, well, how many positions, how many official positions should we really have? You know, how many yeah. people need to be involved in an official capacity? What, what are some of your, uh, your office chairs? So we really struggle with that too. Um, because for me, the thing is it's, I feel like I have a really good group this year. Um, so, you know, obviously you have president, um, vice president, we called it treasurer, but we changed it to director of finance <laughs> or finances because um, we thought about like, you know, one day you're going to have to go for like a job and that would look much better on a resume than just saying like treasure. Like, but, I mean, yeah, we're a student org, but we actually like, um, let's see, last year we dealt with $6,000 of student government funding. So to me, just to call that person treasure is kind of a slap in the face. It's like, oh, you have a little bit more work than that on your plate. Um, what else did we do? Uh, director of communications. So that's somebody that deals with our social media and our website, which we still need a lot of work on, but mm. we're doing it. Um I'm trying to think what else, uh, uh, director of community outreach. And so that individual, um, their job is to reach out to not just the TU community, but, um, the community at large, um, in, within the city of Tulsa, um, to get people aware of our events, but to also bring other groups on campus, whether they're veteran service organizations or they're community-based organizations to just create awareness of our group, but also to have, those agencies or those community groups share our events throughout the larger Tulsa community. Um, I'm trying to think that's all that we have this year. Last year we had up to like, I think seven officer positions. Um, but it just kind of ended up, you, you ever just have like too many people <laughs> Yeah. And, and there's just not enough work and they're just kind of standing around. Um, so this year we're still contemplating with that, what we're going to do. Um, as of right now, we just have those five. I know that we really do need a videographer, and I do have somebody for that. And I think this year we're also going to create a position for um, – I've got to find another word for it. But we have this veteran who wants to coordinate tailgates, and he's an Air Force guy. He's awesome. But I just haven't come up with the right term for, like, tailgate king. <laughs> so when I do, <laughs> that'll be, like, his job. His job will be to be, like, the tailgate liaison or anything involving outdoor barbecuing. Like, that's going to be his job. Yeah. So uh, just recently, um, this past January at the uh, National Convention, um, SVA named you Student Veteran of the Year. Yeah. Yeah. Tell us about that accolade, how that, uh, you know, how that sort of, um, you know, that recognition of your of your hard work. Um, it was definitely really unexpected. Uh, I had, I know that I had been, um, nominated. They had called me to, you know, like tell me like, Hey, you've been selected for this. You know, you're one of three. I was like, okay. But even up until NatCon, I was just so busy working on my organization that I thought, Oh, that'd be really cool if I want it, but it's probably not going to be Amy. Um, so this whole time I, even through the conference, you know, people were all excited for me like, Oh, congrats. Like, you know, I wish you the best. And there was just still this little part of me that was like, well, I'm not going to get it. You know, I'm just from the university of Tulsa. Like nobody knows like where Oklahoma is on a map, let alone Tulsa, you know? <laughs> um, Cause the school uh, I competed with or the schools that I was competing against was uh, university of Delaware and Columbia. So for me, I was like, Oh yeah, I'm not going to win. <laughs> like, you know, they just, you know, whatever. Um, and so when they called my name, I was just really shocked. I didn't even know what to say. I was just like, Oh wow. Like that's crazy. It felt really, um, it felt really good to have like our national organization um, see me and all the work that I do, because I feel like I spend a lot of time um, 
talking about my group and being really excited about it. But for me, I don't do it for like awards or for recognition. I'm not, um, I'm not somebody that like, I'm very humble, (laughs) even though I'm very petty. Um, I have a hard time like accepting recognition or like, I don't know, honor or whatever. So for me, um, when I got that award, it it really meant a lot to me. Um, And it felt really good to uh, represent my school and my city (laughs) Um, and to be recognized for that. So it was definitely life changing. Um, I think at that point, our group realized um, as an organization, like, oh, wow, we, (laughs) we actually have the ability to make an impact. Um, So yeah, Yeah. it's pretty awesome. And you're you're in good company as well. The 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 gentleman that won it the year before you, Brian and Adam Jones, uh, another uh, amazing uh, veteran. And, and so it's um, I can't remember who won it the year before that, but I remember it being impressive. I feel bad that I can't remember the name. Uh, but I just my point being, Student Veterans of America does a really great job of that whole vetting process and selecting people that are that are truly worthy of recognition. So um, I definitely think that uh, you should. Um, well, humble humility is a wonderful attribute. Should be very proud of yourself. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, um, a couple of questions I like asking every uh, every guest. Um, what's something that you learned in the military that is um, attributing to your contributing to your success today? A skill set, a talent, a discipline, something like that. Okay, so you know how in the Marines they have the like principles of being an NCO, and yeah. the, there's like two that I really hold on to. It's know thyself and seek self improvement, and know your Marines and look out for your welfare. Like yeah. those two have really, really stuck by me. Yeah. So on that last, on that second one, how do you apply that to the student veterans that you are around? So um, one thing that I've found is um, I have a lot of people in my at the within the T Student Veteran Association. And the more I get to find out about them, the more I am just like, I feel like the dumbest person in the room because all their jobs were like really cool in the military. Um, But also just because of the things that they're pursuing. um, I know there's a lot of stereotypes about like, oh, you know, veterans can't do this or like, oh, veterans, you know, aren't well to do or aren't doing well. Um, In my group, I haven't found that to be the case. But at the same time, that's not to say that the veterans in my group don't struggle with different things from time to time. And so one thing I've had to, I've really taken away from the Marine Corps is know your Marines and look out for your welfare. Same with my group. Um, You have to be really, I feel like if you're a student veterans of America, like chapter leader, you should be really receptive to how people are doing, um, what's going on with them. And maybe being able to pull them aside and be like, Hey, how are you really doing? You know, are you, are you doing okay? Like I noticed you're different than yesterday. Um, and it's not to say like every person is like on the, is on the edge of a cliff. Um, but I've found that a lot of the students, uh, student veterans, at least in my group, um, are coming back with a lot of issues, um, from combat PTSD. There's a lot of survivor's guilt, um, in my group. Um, but then there's also the like responsibilities of daily living, especially with people who have children in my group. Um, they've got a full academic course load and then they go home and it's not like, Oh, I just get get to work on my homework. It's like, Hey, I have a family that I have to take care of and provide for. Um, so it's just being receptive to like the different, um, things that have happened to the people in our group and then realizing that they have a lot going on or may have a lot going on. And so, I don't know, I, I, I feel like this isn't really answering the question. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but no, like, 
I, I swear, I the some of the people in my group have really been through hell, yeah. and some of the people in my group haven't. Yeah. Um, but that doesn't mean that they don't have stuff going on. And so I guess it's just realizing like, Hey, how are you doing? No, how are you really doing? And taking the time to actually get to know people instead of seeing them as a number. I mean, that's something I work very hard with this group is, Hey, don't worry about the numbers of people you're attracting. You need to, this is a time for you to build friendships with every person that walks in here. You're impacting somebody. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Who, who is a name one or two veterans in the veteran space that you admire or they have you really excited about what they're doing right now? Chase Franklin. Um, he's a fellow Marine and he served with two seven and they were the hardest hit Marine unit in 2008. He is a computer science major at the university of Tulsa. And I just find him absolutely fascinating. Um, he's been a member of our group in the past. Uh, he took some time off school for some stuff he had going on. And then he came back into our group. So aside from being like a fellow Marine and having him, uh, you know, making the Marine group stronger and larger um, at TU, um, he's definitely somebody that really defies the odds, um, especially the stereotypes that people have about student veterans. This person has every right sometimes to just give up or to meet that like that stereotypical grunt, Um, you know, like, oh, I don't need to hang out with Pogues or you know, I don't have to be like this, or, you know, you'd expect him, I guess some people like have stereotypes about veterans, but he just doesn't meet any of that. He's an intellectual. He, um, he was talking to me the other day about Smedley Butler and how he was anti-war. <laughs> and I didn't even know that. I was just like, Oh really? I should, you know, like read. <laughs> yeah. Um, but he's somebody that like interacts really well with all the members in our group, um, and has empathy and has all these traits that I really struggle with, um, sometimes. And this is somebody who's really been through quite a bit, in my opinion, or at least, you know, his unit had. Um, and so I admire him greatly. Um, I think that he'll do really well with whatever he sets his hand to. Um, but he's, it's definitely nice to have that side of our group um, or an individual that is Marine infantry in our group, um, because it's a daily reminder of why it is that I really care about this group. Um, it's also nice sometimes to, um, have like, I don't know, a conversation with somebody um, that's been through a lot to make sure like, Hey, am I really doing what's right by this population? Am I really doing what's right for student veterans? Cause if he's doing okay and he's showing up, then I'm doing something right. The second, if him and the other combat vets in our group don't, then I need to adjust what I'm doing. Um, combat vets are like really um, near and dear to my heart. So if that population starts to wither away or is for whatever reason, like not showing up to, my group or the things that we're doing that I'm, that I messed up and I need to readjust and look at what I'm doing. Yeah. Okay. Thank you so much for, for joining me. I appreciate your time. I appreciate your service and I definitely appreciate your contributions to our community down there in Tulsa. I really, I really, I, uh, it's always, uh, a, a pleasure to meet, uh, aspiring veterans like yourself. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. There are nearly 2 million women veterans who served and deserve the best care anywhere. VA is dedicated to meeting the unique needs of all women veterans. VA offers comprehensive primary care, specialty care, mental health care, and women's health specialty care, such as advanced breast and gynecological care, maternity care, and infertility treatments. At each of the 168 VA medical centers nationwide, a Women Veterans Program Manager is available to advise, advocate, and coordinate care for women veterans. 
Women veterans who are interested in receiving care at VA should call the Women Veterans Call Center at 1-855-VA-WOMEN or 1-855-829-6636 or contact the nearest VA Medical Center and ask for the Women Veterans Program Manager. For more information about benefits and other services for women veterans, visit www.va.gov slash womenvet. The post-9-11 GI Bill is possibly one of the best benefits ever created for any demographic. Paired with the Yellow Ribbon Program, and it's a powerhouse of a resource. In the past, we've told you ways to research schools and apply for education benefits If you're still unfamiliar with our education benefits, I suggest starting at explore.va.gov. If you've already been accepted to a school and have your benefits in order, I highly recommend seeking out the veterans group on your campus. Jared Lyon, the president of SVA, mentioned in our interview from just a couple months ago here on the podcast that one of the strongest indicators of a student's success on campus was simply having a friend. You can research your campus's SVA chapter by going to studentveterans.org and going to their chapters and then chapter directory page. And even with the fall semester being months away, it's a lot of chapters are active through the summer, so uh, you can benefit from doing that research now. Today's Veteran of the Day is Robert Consolmano. Rob served in the Marine Corps in the 90s and is now an advocate for mental health among veterans. Dealing with PTSD and bipolar disorder himself, he wants to be an inspiration for others dealing with the same. Rob uses activities such as working out and jiu-jitsu to cope with his situation. We thank Rob for his service and his dedication to veterans. To read his full write-up and to nominate your own Veteran of the Day, visit blogs.va.gov. That wraps up episode 32. I appreciate everyone for taking the time to listen. I know there are a lot of options out there for entertainment, so I appreciate you spending your time here listening to these powerful stories. If you'd like to submit a question to be addressed here on the show, please tweet them to us using hashtag VA podcast or email us newmedia at va.gov. Follow us on Instagram at DEPT Vet Affairs for more stories from our community. I'm Timothy Lawson signing off. 